Welcome to LDS Down Under. It's going to be a crikey good show. Oh, it's going to be a crikey one, all right, Rodney. Uh, no, mate. It's crikey. Like, what's a crack crikey? What? No. Like, it, it's just crikey. Ah, uh, sure. Look, lads. It's going to be a good one. <laughs> Let's get on with the pod. Hey, guys. So, welcome back to LDS Down under down under and we have an amazing guest with us today she says she's not amazing but she is very much amazing we've given her the complimentary drinks uh she has a bit of uh confidence now hey i hope you heard that um that's right um can you please introduce yourself i sure can i am bianca i don't remember saying i wasn't amazing though brian that was your words Oh, is it, is it... <laughs> Chris, Crystal mentioned this the other day. Is it Bianca or is it Bianca? It's Bianca. Bianca. It is. Okay. The it's there? the same spelling. It's just how you pronounce it. Right? I love that this made it to the podcast. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Crystal yes. mentioned it the other day and I was like, what? Where did, where did it come Bianca? I think she yes, was trying to say bed. something about it too. <laughs> so but that's hey, your preference. It's what my mother called me. Oh, yeah, she that, used to correct people when I was younger, and that's how I kind of got into the problem. I used to never really mind. Yeah, yeah. Most people call me Bink or B. Oh, B. B. Mm. B. Mm. Just because you they can't be bothered trying to say it properly, I think. So, yeah. Can, I, can we call you B? I prefer Bianca. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. You know, I love it. And say it properly, too. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Now, honestly, thank you so much for coming on to the show and... Um, sharing your story with us um which is truly amazing um so first of all we apologize that we've taken a bit of time um we have no excuse life just sort of got in the way it did like, get in uh, the way i've been away i was on holidays and then all of a sudden it's been a conference and so also on we so do on. have an excuse it's rodney's fault <laughs> i guess you could say that um, yeah and then every time we try to sort of tear it up, we sort of it didn't yeah. quite work. And yeah, but uh, that's okay. We're here now. I think we were waiting for the right guest. We were actually a bit because yeah. we did toss it up for a while, and then mm. we that guest couldn't come, so then mm. we got Bianca. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Good old uh, me. No. <laughs> okay, well, thanks for that extra money in my bank account. Really <laughs> All right, Bianca. Um, just talk to us. Uh, so, who is Bianca? In terms of in terms of church or church yeah um so i'm 38 years old yes um i've been a member my entire life so I was so you were born, born yeah mm-hmm. i'm mormon um and and you're a leakiest right <laughs> i was trying to keep that out of the conversation but yes if you'd like to go there. so for those people that aren't from perth <laughs> the leakiest are like one of the oldest families in the church over here Interesting. and they're like there's like probably four or five families that are so embedded within the church over here and they're sort of spread out all over the place i didn't know that it's yeah so a bit of inbreeding especially in the north coast <laughs> yeah it's they're sort of north coast down south you have the stanleys and yeah. there's a few families that have been around for a long time oh, and a lot right. of those um generation is now still members oh, so awesome. there's a lot of people you meet at church and you're like, oh, you know, you meet, and then three months later, you find out that they're actually a or something, and you didn't know because they 
that was their maiden name and so on. Married to one. Yeah, married to one. And so, yeah. Interesting. Interesting. So, Bianca is Aletheus. Yes. Hmm. We should have bowed when she came in. Yeah. yeah. It's, it's okay. a bit like that. Uh, I was expecting that <laughs> when I walked in, but that's okay. Yeah. So, yes, remember my whole life. Um, was baptized when I was eight. But I think, like, every single person that is a long-term member of the church, you kind of have to have your own conversion at mm. some point along the way. So, yeah. And when was your conversion? Um, it's kind of been an ongoing process, to be honest, because, like I said, having been born in the church, I, was, I had primary. So I've had all these spiritual um, opportunities along my whole life. Mm-hmm. Young Women's was a big one, camps that we went on definitely helped, but my moment of I need to know yes or no for me if this is the truth was when I went on my mission. Oh, wait, yes. let's pause for a second there. <laughs> okay. okay, so you went on your mission. I did. Where did we go? Um, well, I was called to the Nagoya mission in Japan. So hmm? it's Nagoya. In, no, yeah. Nagoya. Yes, it's a prefecture in japan okay but um when i was there it was actually really interesting because they at the time there was a tokyo north and a tokyo south and they merged those two missions to just be one tokyo mission Mm -hmm. and then the tokyo south mission president moved to create what was the kobe mission so i basically on that transfer we were advised it was happening and they just said, when the borders change, wherever you're serving, that will become your new mission. So wow. I was called to Nagoya, but I ended up serving in the Kobe mission. Nice. So yeah. can you speak Japanese? I'm not on here. I'm not going to try. It's been about 12 years. <laughs> so how do you say hello? Konnichiwa. Konnichiwa. Ah, oh, that's where Konnichiwa comes from. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> no one here has to speak Japanese. You have no idea what it is. And Actually, then... funny story. When I first got back from Japan... I walked into the chapel and someone was like, oh, ni hao. <laughs> yeah, wrong country. Sorry. Love it. And tell us, what was, what was it like there? What was Japan like? The people? In Japan? Yeah, yeah. I really had a great experience in Japan. I, couldn't, I cannot fault it at all. It was amazing. The country is beautiful. I learned there for the first time that we in Australia don't really have seasons. We think we have seasons, but we don't have seasons. Japan changes with every season. Like it goes from orange to pink to white to wow. green. Like those are seasons. Yeah. We are green all year round basically, but we call it winter summer. <laughs> <laughs> so that was one of my favorite things there. It was just the scenery is just it's like living in a fairy tale. It's a magic place, yeah. I think. Um the people though so nice. Um very difficult as far as teaching about Christ and Christianity. Okay. But I mean, we weren't just there just to yeah, make yeah. people believe what we believed. We were there to build relationships, make friendships, and just kind of make a footprint, I guess. And so I loved it. I loved my mission. And were they welcoming? Yeah. The people? Yeah. Well, they love, I feel like, I felt like everyone I met loved being able to just have opportunity to speak English or, oh, okay. you know, speak to a foreigner. or And yeah. that even... A lot of the time, they were very surprised that I'm this big white Australian that could speak Japanese to them. Like, I had one lady who I approached one time, and I was talking to her in Japanese, and her first reaction was, I'm sorry, I don't speak English. 
And I just was like, that's okay, I'll talk to you in Japanese. And then she kind of clipped that I was speaking to her in a language she could understand and she had no, her face just hurt. She was like, oh crap, now I have to listen to you. <laughs> was it hard for you to pick it up? Yeah, I struggled. It's a difficult language for sure. So, And I had never studied Japanese before I went to the MTC. So I went to Provo MTC for 12 weeks, mm-hmm. um, which was a journey all on its own. But yeah, basically... I'm going to say we spent the 12 weeks learning the basic alphabets and just basic words to get by. And then I got to Japan and was like, I learned nothing. (laughs) (laughs) I know nothing. So the MTC is Missionary Training Center. So where most missionaries go in and they basically get ready to go to the the areas that they're going to be serving in. Um, Yeah. Yeah. I I love how you said footprint because it made me think about like, you know, a lot of missionaries don't realize the impact they have on people, you know, and, and, and might never know, you know, because sometimes they, they sort of serve in an area, they work with someone, work with someone, and then they leave and they don't know that six months later, eight months later, or five years later, that person eventually converted. And unfortunately, they might never know about it. So I think you guys do leave footprints in places. And, it, and it, it makes me think of like when you go to the beach and you put your foot in the sand and the water comes and just washes it away. But some footprints last forever, like dinosaur ones, when they mm. get, you know, encased in certain rocks and stuff like that, they're there forever. Um, so it just made me think straight away about that, that that's the hard part about being a missionary is sometimes you don't know the impact you've actually had on someone. Um, these days it's a lot easier because, you know, the as soon as they finish the mission, you get all the Facebook friend requests and... Yeah. You know, like I'm still in contact with most of the missionaries I've come across since joining the church. Yeah. Um, but for older generations and stuff, when like you would have served as well, it would have been a lot more difficult. And then going further and further back, you know, I heard a story just the other day about someone that um, they posted something online, like it was like find a missionary page or something, mm. and they posted something online, and the man's wife saw it and went, "Oh, that sounds like my husband." and months and months went on and on and then all of a sudden this contact happened and it turned out it was her husband and he was like on the other side of the world and but things like that like you just don't know all the impact you're going to have yeah. it's difficult and i think with that footprint too even if they don't convert to the gospel it's more of they've found someone that is just loving and kind because mm. that's what missionaries are because i just also just going back on my mission <clears throat> there was plenty of times we didn't, you know what I mean, probably convert many people, but the fact that we had the opportunity to show people that there were still kind people out there, there were still people who cared and weren't looking for anything back, because right now in the world, obviously, it's tit for tat, like, you know, I give you something, you have to give me something back, but that's what I found about the gospel uh, joining the church was there was no, it was nothing like that, you know, mm-hmm. I could do something for you and I didn't want anything back in return. And that's the thing of being brothers and sisters. That's the thing of, you know, being Christ-like. You know, it's a sense of wanting to just serve, wanting to help, wanting to just be there. Yeah, so I think it's that where that's what I love about the gospel. I love that it's just caring, Mm. just care for one another. Um, Well, if you actually think about that, going back to the footprint things, right, how many members of the church have had footprints on missionaries. You know what I mean? Ooh, yeah, if yeah. you think about it the other way around, how many members 
actually converted missionaries. Because a lot of missionaries come into the field without having that that conversion of their own sometimes, you know. They're sort of doing it because the family's always done it and my brother served or so on, my sister served or so on and so on. A lot of missionaries come out, you know, I've met some that haven't read the Book of Mormon. So, but they know it's the right thing to do. They know they've been called to serve and they want to do the right thing. So they come out on the mission, right? But then they get here and you can see they're getting converted while they're here, you know. So a lot of members leave their footprints on those missionaries for the rest of their lives, you know. And they take that stuff because as you see, you know, um, missionaries when they come out, you know, at 18, 19 and they leave with their 24. They're so different. The maturity just gone through the roof. And that's all the members and people they've met during that time leaving their footprints on that missionary. Um, hmm. Can I ask, when you went out on mission, um, was it something you've always wanted to do or was it something that you felt you had to do? Neither. It was, I had never been one of those people that felt like I really wanted to go on a mission at all. And at the time, the ages were different. What was it? 21 for a female and yeah, yeah. 19 for a male, I think. <coughs> um, and so I was working, just living my best life. And I reached about 23 and I kind of was not really sure what I wanted to do. I was working in retail, but I didn't love my job. And my dad was the bishop at the time, which probably played into it a little bit. But he just sat me down. I don't know if it was a fatherly chat or a bishoply chat, but he sat me down and he's like, what are you doing? Like, what do you want from the future? Like, have you considered a mission? And I was like, don't say it. I don't want you to say it. I don't want to consider a mission because I think deep down a part of me felt like I wanted to go on a mission or maybe needed to go on a mission. Um, so that was kind of the first seed that I had of maybe I will think about it. Yeah. Um, actually, to be fair, let, I was probably more like 22 when that sort of happened because I left on my mission when I was 23 and it was a bit of a process to get there. But yeah, basically that happened. Then the job that I was working at kind of fell apart because my boss got a divorce. This is a long story. Yeah. She had to sell the business and the people who bought it didn't need staff. And so I was looking for a new job and then I was like, and then that niggling thought came back. Yeah, 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 Have you got yeah. that mission? I was like, ah, oh, I wish you'd never asked me that. Then I was like, you know what, I'll think about it. So, so had, he ta- had he said anything about mission before that? Um, no, I mean, not outside of what you normally hear at church. Yeah, yeah, you yeah. Kind of hear things but he never like, sat you down like he did. No, that was the first time that he'd ever sat me down and just said, like, have you thought about that? You so might. this is where I just love Heavenly Father, right? Because <laughs> he, he spoke to you and then next minute all that happened with the work and then everything just came together perfectly where you thought everything was falling apart where really it was actually coming out to the point where he had that little thing in your head and it happened at the exact right time for you to then say I'm going on a mission and going back to what Rodney was talking about in the sense of there is I always think and I always get emotional talking about but there's always one person on your mission that you touch as a member and as a missionary. There is one person that you just leave your mark on and that they will never know, which is so sad, but you can tell them, but they'll never actually feel how much of a difference you made in their lives. And Heavenly Father needed you to do that. And for that to happen, your, 
your father as the bishop, he felt that and then he was able to communicate with you and then from there be able to and Heavenly Father was like, I got it from here. And I know something bad had to happen, but then something great came from that, you know what I mean? You could, you could probably almost say, Heavenly Father knew probably the divorce was coming, you know yeah, what I mean? So yeah, the opportunity yeah. was coming, so this is your time. And that's when the prompting oh came to um, Brother Lekius to then sit you down and have that conversation because the time is coming where everything will line up for you to go, you know. What, what I was thinking of when you were talking about that was it must be difficult um, because I've never been in that situation, of course, um, about what's the difference between a bishop chat and a father chat when your father's the bishop, you know what yeah, I mean? Yeah. It must be, yeah, the location, yeah. But it must be difficult for the kids but also for the bishop, you know what I mean? To, to that separation, etc. It must be difficult. It can't be easy. You know what? Sorry, I was going to say, I'm definitely a creature of comfort. And so I think for me, especially, Heavenly Father knows that my world needs to fall apart in order for me to make a change. Yeah. So I do think that that, like what you said, for my life to come together, it needed to fall apart. Yeah. Mm. But we don't see it, right? As, 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 as people, whether member or whether you have a faith or not, we sometimes don't see those little things that happen that Heavenly Father has definitely put together, but we just think, ah, that was by chance, or, ah, you know what I mean? Um, it's those little things that we don't see. Um, I, don't mind, I don't know if you, mind, if you mind me talking about your story, Rodney, of... Just don't tell me, just do it. <laughs> and then when you get underway, I'll give you the look, like, what are you doing? <laughs> but, um... No, but Rodney has obviously been working out at um at the at the at the mines, mines, oh yeah mines yeah yeah yeah, and um we recently uh, so he he came back one of the nights and then we I came over and I was like ta talking to Rodney about what I just graduated in with the timeline therapy and the hypnotherapy and just helping kind of people find out certain things about their past and trying to let go of their past and then um i was like oh i'd love to do uh so well i had planned to do one with crystal but then i was like oh i'd love to do one with rodney rodney too but then anyway we did a session with you and crystal and then from that you're able to then be like oh we didn't realize that maybe this is not for us and then you were able to kind of step out well i don't know if you have that not yet. Yeah, not yet. But the plan is to. Yeah. yeah, yeah, the plan is to do that. But it was that thing of everything had to happen at the exact right time in order for it to make sense. If it had happened just at the start, you would have been like, bro, like, no. And it would have just hit differently. But I feel like, again, going back to with me also with the gospel, for me, the missionaries came to me, I think I've told this story 600 times, but the missionaries came to me when I was in, uh, when I was studying in uni and then I didn't pay attention. I was like, oh, no, nah, I'm good. And then I left that place I was in and went back home. And then I listened to the missionaries there a few months later. So those missionaries don't know that they were the ones that probably started something, you know what I mean? And then I went and then these guys, so they left a mark, but yet I didn't obviously entertain them. But everything happens for a reason. Slowly but surely, we don't see it, but if we pay attention, you see those little movements that happen in your life, and you're like, wait a minute, it's not by chance. You know, Heavenly Father literally has, is, is with us, 
like the Holy Spirit is with us every step that we make. Yeah. How, how, many, how many coincidences can there be? Yeah, exactly. You know what I mean? It exactly. sort of all fits into this perfect little yeah. plan. Yeah. Okay. So going back, right? Okay. So born into the church, served a mission in Japan, which is, if there was one place I could go, it would be Japan. Because everyone I know that has ever been there just keeps going back. They can't get enough of it. So I'm like, man, it's on my list. Yeah. So that's cool. It should be on everyone's list. Everyone's list. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Let's go. <laughs> Next week. Um, so did you remain active up until you, you said you're 38 now? Have you remained active the entire time? Um, it depends on your definition of active. Go for it. I mentally, yes. Um, but physically, I haven't always been coming to church. Yep. Um, there was probably a time there where I hadn't been to church in over a year. Mm -hmm. um, there was a lot of other stuff sort of happening in my life at the time. So I was in a pretty low place emotionally, mentally, physically. I just didn't have the energy to kind of come to church as well. So, yeah. um, But I've always believed in God. I've always believed in Christ and his atonement. And um, I always knew I was meant to be at church, but it just wasn't fitting with me at that point so okay let's change that then right? yeah. so okay so your testimony's always been there yeah. it's not like you lost your testimony anytime exactly so i understand that That's yeah fine. so during that year it's probably a bit longer than that because oh, yeah look year and a half my dad two years died and yep. it was kind of a, i'm gonna say it was probably about four years i was on and off yeah okay and then a year solid not at all so during that time yeah did you still live the standards of the church no yep yeah. okay that's what I consider to be less active. That's just my interpretation of it. When I think about people who, like we use that term less active, but whatever you want to call it, um, is, is when we go through that period of time where we're struggling with it and we, we don't live the standards of the church for that period of time. That's what I sort of consider to be that period where we aren't fully active in the church yeah. that that's what my interpretation everyone's that's different what crystal right? went through too is that that's what crystal yeah, did yeah, yeah. yeah. she yeah. always wanted the kids to grow up in the church she the missionaries would come over she'd always invite them in she always believed the church was true just didn't leave the standards for the yeah. whole 15 years or whatever it was yeah, yeah. so that that was the exact same thing and i think most people are like that when you meet a lot of people that have been away from the church for quite some period of time most of them still say that they actually believe it's true. Yeah, they just don't want to have to live the standards at the time because whatever they're going through, yeah, which makes sense to me. Which is a tough, a tough uh, thing, uh, obviously, growing up in the, in the gospel. Um, but I just want to go back to something that you said, or I thought it was beautiful. You said you still believe in Christ and Heavenly Father and His and Christ's atonement. And what's the what is like when you say you believed in it like what's what's like i want to deep like i want to deeply understand <laughs> like pull back well, what's your connection there because i was angry at them you can't be angry at something you don't believe in wow so Hold on, wait we can't just pass out <laughs> and not entertain that wait a minute you were angry with them and that shows that you believe that they're they're there because you're angry with them well, I mean, it would be pretty stupid to be angry at something. Something that doesn't exist. <laughs> yeah. But no, but really, though, I know you said, oh, hopefully, but other people, they do, 
Like, you know, they do get angry. People who don't believe in God or Jesus Christ get angry at God or Jesus Christ. But what I read recently is that why would you be angry with him? Because he's going through it with you. He's not looking from the back and saying, ha, ha, ha. He's actually there with you, feeling what you're feeling, going through what you're going through, and he has gone through what you've gone through. You know that kind of way? But people do actually get angry with God and Jesus Christ without actually having a belief. Even, him, even you know? knowing that they have a testimony. You know what I mean? So people who are not members, they do feel that. So that's, that's, I loved when you said it because I'm like, it's, and now you're just saying, obviously, why would I be angry if I didn't believe? So I'm like, nah, with me, like I had to like. So why were you angry? <sighs> yeah, that's a big question. Um, I mean, there was a lot of reasons that I was angry. Um, but first and foremost was that my dad was very ill at the time. That was when it all started. Mm. Um, sorry. Okay. Then <clears throat> after he passed away within about six months, we found out that my mum was also terminal and that was kind of icing on the cake yeah yep. so obviously that as well as you know my life hasn't kind of taken the traditional mormon route of you know mission marriage kids temple whatever like mm. my, having been single in as a single sister in the church that is a struggle all on its own um but i felt like i was coping with that pretty well up until i lost my only my last little safety net my family my mm. you know all my siblings had their own family so my nuclear family was yeah, gone yeah, so yeah, yeah. i guess that left me feeling quite alone and having lived what i believed to have always been the way that we were supposed to live mm -hmm. um i was mad I was, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I was i couldn't kind of grasp why that was the direction my life had kind of headed in mm. so but why i want to learn something here too at this right now right if there's times um personally on my side too i have felt many times where i have i've been living the gospel i'm doing everything as best as one can do but yet things still don't work out so then i'm like excuse me i'm like what what then like and i think that's the thing with people who don't believe in god and jesus christ they're like well you believe in these uh these people but yet nothing is working out for you like look at you so then what is the relationship with god and jesus christ I, uh, is everything supposed to be going well for you or does it not go well when you put god first is that a contract that you sign that hey things are going to go bad the minute i put god first it's not going to be in my control anymore but if i don't i'm going to be living good i think the hard part now is we we suffer from that instant gratification so we want that we want that uh, blessing immediately so Alouf said that yeah oh did he yeah yeah he was talking about now is everything is just a click away yeah if we want something we just yeah it straight yeah. away and then we get the answer that's why i mean off for best mates um but uh <laughs> but uh yeah so 
that makes it difficult because we want to see that blessing come. And, and I actually had a friend, um, a really good friend of mine. I heard that he said that recently was a bit of a, um, you know, I'm doing all these things and I do so much right. Why can't this just go right for us? You know? And it made me think of it back then when I heard that, um, it's, it's hard because we don't know the plan, you know, but I think also, if you look at, you know, a hundred years ago, people had so much more patience than we have now, you know, you'd write a letter and get a response six months later. Um, so patience was so much more available for us when now we, we don't have much patience at all, to be honest. It's really I know, difficult. but one can have much, a lot of patience, but then if like your story, like what have you come to a conclusion of then? <laughs> Because you've come back to the gospel, right? Yeah. yeah. And you, if you don't mind me saying, you're in the Young Women Presidency. Yeah. Um, and that's a big jump from obviously what you went through to for you to come back. Someone has to have a faith that is as high. I don't know. Like your faith, honestly, is on another level for you to come back after everything that you went through and to be in this um and the young woman presidency and to be guiding women that might also go through the same process that might also feel the things that you have felt you know what i mean because even the listeners those who listen to our podcast there's things that have happened to them i remember watching a video of um, the refiner's fire where this lady is sitting there and she says oh my son got cancer then my daughter got cancer then my husband got cancer then they and then they were and i was like wait a minute and it was a true story. Have you seen mm. it? I don't know. No, I, seen that one. I was like, wow. And she comes to a conclusion at the end that it's like there are finest fire and whatnot, whatnot. And from that day, I was like, oh, man, I can't be complaining about my life. This woman still has faith, still moving on, and all this has happened to her. We'll watch it after this. But it's a <laughs> sense of, and if you haven't watched it, have a go at it. Um, it's basically what Bianca has just gone through. It's you are the woman right there. You are the woman that has gone through all this, and yet at the end of it, you come back and you're here. Yeah. Um, I was pretty lucky in that I have some pretty solid role models. Um, I have two grandmothers who both experienced a myriad of trials throughout their lives and never sort of wavered. Um, so, And then obviously my own parents who were pretty solid examples to me about um, enduring through hard things um, but I mean it doesn't stop you from feeling angry it doesn't yeah. stop you from feeling why me it doesn't stop you from thinking well I've spent my entire life living this way only to feel like I'm being punished um, but one quote there was a quote that actually got me through I think and it was one that I heard on my mission, but I don't actually know where exactly it comes from, but Elder Holland, I'm pretty sure, said it. Of course. Um, <laughs> yeah. And he basically just said why life was not promised to be easy to anybody. Um, and he said, and why should it be? Because the road to Calvary was not easy for the Saviour. And so I guess that for me made me put things into perspective in terms of God, because I'm like, if his own favourite... Not that we would, I mean, I would call, say, Christ his favourite. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but his, if his own favourite could suffer as much as he did, why was I feeling like I should be made an exception? And 
that then obviously I looked at other people who were dealing with their own suffering and it didn't minimalize mine because what I was going through was still important to me. It was personal to me and it was hard for me. Um, but by looking outward, it stopped me looking inward and mm. that helped a lot too. And can I just add on top of that? Um, there is that thing of one of my friends uh, from England said this, she was like, she's going through, she was going through a hard time. And she says, I trust my pre-mortal self. And I was like, what do you mean? She was like, my pre-mortal self was not stupid. Heavenly Father showed my pre-mortal self, listen, you're going to go through A, B, and C, and that, and that. Are you sure you want to go through it? Yeah, 100%. I can do that for us. I, I got this. And now I'm here. So your pre-mortal self said, Heavenly Father said, I'm going to give you these trials. Listen, I love you, but are you sure you can go through with these? And then your pre-mortal self agreed to that and said, I can do it. Like, give me those, I can do it. And I'd like to think that for my trials too, that I agreed to them, that I said, I'll be okay. You know, and it's like, I don't want to give you too much. It's like, I'll be okay. And I feel like that's when it comes to, we will not, we will never be given something that is, what is it? We will never be given something that's too More hard. than we can handle. More than we can handle. Mm. Because we already said we can handle these things. Yeah. And therefore, the things that we're getting right now, we can handle. Times it is tough. For me, being honest, I find it 100% tough. Because um, obviously I've suffered with depression and anxiety and all that, and I find it 100% tough when everything comes at once. And you were right when you said the things that you got, they were personal to you. They felt hard to you. If I got what you got, whew, I would have been like, no way, this is too much for me. If Rodney got what you got, it would have been too much for him. But for you, it was just right. It was still felt like too much. But it is. But, <laughs> but that's the thing, though. It will feel like too much. But too much for you is different to too much to me. Yeah. You know what I mean? That is just not just too much for me. That is just above and too like, it's it's not even in my realm. You know what I mean? But for you. There's another quote. I'm sorry to keep throwing no, out No, please do, because we don't remember any quotes. <laughs> I can't even remember who said this one, but I heard it on my mission as well. This is what I mean. This is why my mission was my yeah. um, pivotal moment, because without that, I don't think I would have had the courage to withstand some of the things that I mm -hmm. had. The testimony that I gained there, like that's kind of what brought me through a bit. Um, but it was a quote about missionary work, but I think it can be applied to life mm -hmm. and um i'm gonna say i think it was gordon b hinckley and he sent a letter home to his dad and he was struggling and his dad sent him a letter and he was just like just you can it was him in. it was gordon b hinckley yeah, yeah and he's like if you if you start out running and you feel like you need a slow to a walk and then you've got to walk for a bit you just keep moving forward that's fine if you can't walk anymore and you have to crawl you crawl just keep going if even your crawl turns into a dragging motion just keep moving and I think that's what I apply to that. He doesn't give you more than you can handle because sometimes it does feel like he gives you more than you can handle. But as long as you're dragging yourself through it, you will come to the other side. And I think that's the key. And that's where the Savior helps us is as long as we have our eyes on him, we have a focus, we have a direction that we're headed. Whereas if you don't have your eyes on somewhere to focus to, you're going to stop. 
Like, if you're going through hell, why stop there? Let's keep going. Man, you're trying to get tears out of me and it's not gonna happen. Alright, I'm gonna throw something at you, okay? Um, I think he also said to Gordon B. Hinckley, um, something in the line of, you know, basically lose yourself in the service. Mm-hmm. You're thinking about yourself and what you're going through. Lose yourself in the service. And as soon as you start outwardly thinking, like you said before, instead of inwardly, it'll become easier. Um, okay, so I'm, I'm going to, I listened to all that and I've got a couple of things. So, Brian, you mentioned before about everything sort of fits into a bit of a plan, mm-hmm. you know, and sometimes you don't realize the plan. Mm-hmm. So, the prompting your dad got to speak to you about going on a mission. Do we have any, could there be any inkling that maybe that was because of maybe what was going to come? Stop it. So you just said, you just, you just said that if it wasn't for your mission, you probably would never have got through everything that happened. So Heavenly Father's going, okay, this is what's going to happen. Um, I'm never going to give her more than she can handle, etc. So going on a mission is going to get her through this. Next second you know you go on a mission. Next second you know your parents pass away. You do struggle for a period of time. But like Brian said, if it was him, he would have struggled for a lot longer than you would have. You know what I mean? But because of the development that you had on your mission, that helped you get through that period of time. So that's the sort of thing I was trying to say before about sometimes we don't know what that plan is you know but actually that plan's been in place for a long time before we even got there so Rodney stop it man I'm like my eyes are getting watery now because I'm just going back to the start it all started from your dad sitting you down Hmm. that was the pivotal moment but then you also mentioned before about that Bianca (laughs) is in young women's now yeah and you made the comment which I don't think you picked up on that what if somebody else goes through this mm. or who would be the best person to be in young women's right now if somebody else went through something like this yeah. you know what i mean so that is also part of the plan the plan was that she'd go through this you know but would help along the way you know serve a mission gain your strength gain your testimony so you have your foundation then you'd get through it and then at the other side you'd lose yourself in the service to others that's why you're in young women's now because of other people will go through the same sort of thing there's no doubt about it right and you're going to be there to help those people along the way and that's why sometimes our past can be tough you know like all of us have a past of some sort but if we think of it of the point of i don't regret my past you know um because of it could help me fix someone for the future. Exactly. You Learn I mean? from it, see the positives and move forward. Mm. I just want to throw that out. No, I just honestly, I just want to say this again. It all starts with me and your dad sitting you down for a mission. Mm. Yeah. It literally all started from there. And he, he, he said, wouldn't have known any of that. That was to come. But the one thing your dad did which we all have been told to do. And I remember President Monson just going on about it at conferences was own the prompting. Mm. And that prompting came and your dad was in that frame of mind, that spiritual state where he owned that prompting. 
and that prompting then led to all these other because we could things. say oh i know that person that person's not gonna do it. he could have just said i know my daughter she's not i'm not gonna do that but he was such in a spiritual place where he'd be able to be like okay i'll go and do and that's with us right now you know how many promptings how many um you know how many times does the spirit tell you to do something that you're like no i'm too scared or no nah, you know i'm gonna and it's those things where those little promptings can lead to something great mm. those little promptings that you listen to through the spirit can lead you to do something that you've been scared to do but if you do everything else changes everything truly changes and for you then if i could just ask a um a question to you um what made you actually one stay but then come back and belong mm-hmm. um well that was a journey also um but basically I was kind of at a point where either I was coming back or I was not going to come back um, and just continue living how I was living mm-hmm. and I was fine with that. Um, and I moved house and came into a new ward and the bishop came to visit <laughs> and he was trying to extend a calling to me at the time and I was like, oh, I had to obviously let him know that I wasn't in a position to receive a calling. Um, and he was just chatting with me while we were there and he said to me um he's like I'd really like to give you a blessing if that's okay with you and I've like this is this is another bit where little seeds were planted a long time before Mm -hmm. this was actually in my patriarchal blessing um it specifically tells me to receive priesthood blessings when they're offered to me um and that they will help me in my life and so every time I've been offered one, I've never been able to say no because that you know little that's hanging scene, over. Yeah, I was told don't reject a priest with blessing. Yeah, wow. Yeah, yeah. And so when Bishop offered me, I was like, oh, great, here we go. And I was like, okay, that's fine. I'll, I'll, you can give me a blessing. And I was still, this is all coming from a pretty angry heart at the mm-hmm. time because I was like, I was mad and we discussed this. I was just like, mm-hmm. you know what, I'm... I'm done trying to do the right thing, trying to be the right person, trying to be everything I'm supposed to be. Um, anyway, so Bishop gave me a blessing and everything this, he said. Bishop Hawkins? Bishop Skews. Skews, yeah. yeah. Everything he said in the blessing was things that I had been fearful of, things that I had been hurting from, things that I had been needing to hear. Um, Anyway, so I was a mess at the end of the blessing and poor Bishop Skews was probably just like, I'm going to get out of this crazy little town. <laughs> <No. laughs> he wouldn't know. Um, so anyway, so he just said, look, um, thanks for letting me give you a blessing. Love to see you at church if we can. If not, that's fine. And just left and just left it in my hands. Like it was up to me. And I had there was no more excuses of like, you know, because I think when you're going through a period of inactivity you can tend to blame members too especially if you've been a long-term member and mm. always visited and done the right thing and and when people aren't visiting you you start to feel like this is kind of rubbish like yeah. i did all that and nobody's doing that for me 
Um, which I know that sounds so selfish and that's another thing too about looking outward. I was definitely going through a period of poor little me. I felt sorry for myself and anyway, so what that meeting with the bishop kind of eliminated all those thoughts and issues that I had and um, which I definitely feel like now that those were voices of negative spirits around me that was thriving on my negative spirit at the time, my sadness, they were feeding off that and filling my head with these negative thoughts that I was allowing because it fed into the narrative that I wanted my life to be that I was hardly done by. Yeah, 100%. Eh? Um, and then, yeah, so that kind of just eliminated that and I was filled with a sense of peace and calm and I remembered that that's how I wanted to feel and then just basically started the journey from there I went and spoke to Bishop and I was like look that's why I'm ready to kind of start making the steps that I need to and we had conversations about things and we spoke about things all the time I did some readings and things he sent me to and that was kind of the journey I guess and then it was like a year later where I was in my last interview with Bishop and he was like um basically said I think we can give you temple recommend back and I just felt I felt pretty great in that meeting. So beautiful. When you came back, so you're now attending church, right? So we're in uh, Yantra Ward. Did you feel judgment from people in the ward? Um, No, but it helped that I was in a new ward. (laughs) I recommend moving wards. No. (laughs) (laughs) Um, There was a lot of people who didn't know me and didn't have any idea who I was before that. So yeah. There was no expectations. I didn't feel any sort of pressure or mm. it was just, it was my journey. I owned it at that point. So mm. it definitely helped. Can I ask you a personal question? <laughs> Depends. I think we sort of have been doing this. Yeah. Time. <laughs> it's been very personal. Yeah. <laughs> um, are you still mad? Are you still angry with God and, her, and Jesus Christ? No. I think I've accepted that this is what my life's journey looks like. And I'm not saying I will never get mad again. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But right now, the hard stuff is leaving me alone and I'm in a period of peace. And so I'm in a good place right now. I'm mm-hmm. content. And can I ask, is, what, what, what advice would you give to a, a young woman at your age in the gospel right now? Advice mm-hmm. in terms of In trials. terms of trials, in terms of sticking through it, coming back, and like everything you've literally gone through and you said the, the way to go was uh, mission, marriage, kids, uh, temple, all that, and the fact that you have done things that have been right and it hasn't gone that way for you, what could you say to women that are because there's many women that are going through or are starting to go through what you're going through right now how what would you say to them to help them keep going Um, that's a really hard question because everyone's experiences are so individual and i don't necessarily think i'm qualified to give advice yeah but definitely from my perspective is to just trust the process that's literally all you can do. Trust the process. Know that Heavenly Father has... And I, I hate hearing this, and this is why I hate giving this sort of advice, but it literally is the only thing you can do is trust that Heavenly Father has your life in His hands and 
even if it's going through the downward patches, there is a there is an end to it. So, and it doesn't mean you're ever gonna fall into the category of you know temple married family or mm-hmm. whatever it is that you're looking for, but you'll find a piece that is beyond that anyway. I don't know. I don't mm. know if that makes. This reminds me of nothing the, profound. Yeah, no, it's perfect. It reminds me of the scripture in Doctrine and Covenants six thirty six. Look unto me in every task, doubt not, fear not. Mm-hmm. And it's that thing of trust in the process and having faith that it will work out. And to be honest with you, Bianca, your story is is just beautiful. And it's honestly touched me too to help me understand that the things I go through, that again, I just need to trust. And the big thing that hit me from this conversation today is, <laughs> did you still believe in God and Jesus Christ? It's like, of course, I was angry with them. So obviously I had to. So that it's keep keeps ringing in my ear and I'm like, that is just a perfect way to look at it. Yeah. I think like, um, in answer to your question to Bianca, I, my first thought was uh, have a good foundation. And I think that's been coming at conference lately. It keeps coming at us lately about foundation. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think you had a really good foundation. You know, you had a strong family within the church, served the mission, etc. So there was that foundation there. I think sometimes, and you made the comment before, we all go through our own conversion. It's not our family's conversion or something. And sometimes my wife will make the comment, you're like, oh, my testimony's built on other people. It can't be because at the first sign of hardship, it's going to fall over. You know, it's the, the wise man built his ass upon the rock, you know. Um, so I think my, if, if someone asked me that question, I'd be probably like, get a strong foundation. If you get a strong foundation, then like you said, you're you're getting really angry but the first thing you're recognizing is that if i'm getting angry with them then i actually do believe them mm-hmm. that they exist you know so that strong foundation can help you get through those times um because you'll come back to it mm-hmm. um yeah that's, honestly, that's that's what i was thinking this we has been about honestly it. one of probably i won't lie to you not just because you're here <laughs> it's one of my best best uh podcasts that i've enjoyed being in for sure because um, I just, I just, <laughs> I enjoyed your real and obviously, I know you, Bianca, and just hearing you and like, Bianca usually as well as laughing and joking and doesn't mm. like to speak about. He's a bit shy sometimes. Yeah, yeah. Serious, so. yeah. <laughs> so it's been nice to see this part of you and and yeah, that thing of you know being a a leakius, I also. Look, I look at that as you be your own leakage, you write your own story, you you do what you have to do for your family, you know, your thing. Um, with me, like, I don't want my kids in the future to be like, oh, I'm part of the Sibia family, you know. I want them to be like, like me, to feel like me. I'm the only one, I've started this, I gotta write, I gotta walk and do my journey, I gotta do what I gotta do, and not to feel like I need to be judged because of my past, or be judged because of those who have walked the road before me. I'm walking the road, it's my path. I may fall, like Jeffrey Holland says, I'm walking there, I may fall and stumble, but don't laugh at me, come and pick me up and walk with me, help me, you know what I mean? 
and don't just look from afar like Christ when he was falling with the cross and the man came and helped him up with the cross. Let's be that. Let's be those people who help one another to keep walking on that path rather than judging from the back or laughing from the back. And it doesn't help anyone to go in your groups and just go and just um, gossip about that person that's struggling or whatnot. It doesn't help anyone. It just makes you feel like you're a bigger person, but really in, it doesn't help them. You know, you should go find ways, get in your little groups, but find ways to help that person, right? We're all trying to be like Christ. We all fall short, 100%. We all fall short. It's a given. But as we fall short, let's also just, you know, keep going. Like you said, don't stop. Keep pushing through. Keep walking. And trust in God. Trust the process. Like Bianca said, it's going to work out. Um, yeah. Talking about judgment. Okay. There's always been that comment in the church that, you know, our church members are so judgmental. And generally it's coming from someone who's gone like a little bit less active for a period mm -hmm. of time. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And you made the comment before about why is no one visiting me? And there was a little bit of blame on members who are active at the time not doing maybe what they should do, you know. And and I'm probably someone of, um, of the opinion where I found home teaching was a lot more successful than ministering. Mm -hmm. But I understand why ministering's there now instead of the old home teaching method, you know, because uh, once again probably predestined knowing what was coming up with COVID-19 sort of thing. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Home teaching would never have worked. Um, but do you guys feel like there is judgment in the church? You know what I mean? The comments get made a lot about different things. And Can I just first clarify my point? Even though it did come across blaming, and I, I yeah. can accept that. I don't actually blame. Yeah, I oh, know. That's how you felt. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And, and I recognize that now looking back, is hmm. I can accept that that was the position that I was in. It wasn't anything to do with the members. It yeah, was yeah. literally mm. me. Yeah. And I think that that um, is an extension to your question that you were about to ask. Sorry. <laughs> yeah. You off about judgment. Yeah. I think sometimes we assume that people are thinking things about us that they're just not. Mm. And unless someone has actually said something out loud, thinking that people are thinking things about you is kind of crazy. Sometimes I think also you're looking for it. Yeah. So when you are unsure about yourself or you're feeling a little bit guilty about something, you're sort of looking at people like, you know, yeah. and you're like, why is that person looking at me? And they're not, they just haven't a glance over for all that one <laughs> second so and you just happen to lock eyes and you've straight away just gone straight onto the bandwagon of, why are they looking at me? Are they making judgments about me or something? Can I share you know I mean? something that my therapist told me one time? This is probably an overshare anyway, but she, because I have an issue with that where I always think people are judging me and I always think that people are thinking the worst about me. And I was talking to my therapist about that and she was like, um, so how old were you when you discovered you could read people's minds? And I stopped <laughs> and was like, what? And she's like, yeah, you must have this superpower where you can read their minds and you know what they're thinking. And that put it right away. I was like, oh my gosh, that's how crazy it sounds. Like, I don't know what people are thinking about me. And in mm. fact, it's none of my business what they're thinking about me. And I just really don't care anymore. Crystal so, got told once that um, you can only go off back. Yeah. Right. And I'll say that to people and, and someone recently said, oh, you know, they're going to react like this. And I'm like, well, you don't know that. No, I do know that. 
And I was like, you can only go off facts. Is it 100% sure this? Absolutely. No, it's not. Mm-hmm. You know, and it's hard for people to sort of get past that point because you're making, you're going through this predestined, uh, like, thought in your mind about how it's all going to play out and people who overthink. Yeah. And this is where my, my thought come from. There was a talk on Sunday about this. People who overthink things almost create the entire scenario of how it's going to play out, yeah. but they have no idea how it's going to play out, actually. But because of that way of thinking and, and your emotions of running, etc., you then make decisions based on something that hasn't even happened yet, yeah. you know. Um, so, so I think that's linked yeah. with judgment in the church. I do think that mm. people, you think people are judging you because you know that that's what we've been taught. Like say, I don't know what a good example of this is, but if you've gone out for a drink on the weekend and then you go to church the next day, I think it's your own personal thoughts that are prompting that people are thinking that because everyone's Could just you be judging their own yourself? life. Like, you know, that person that came to church on Sunday that sat next to you has no idea what you did. They don't care. I know that sounds really bad, but yeah. most of the time people are just so busy with their own trials and their own lives that what you're going through isn't at the forefront of their minds. Mm. And especially now with how hard life has gotten for everybody, not just me or you or, you know, everybody mm. is going through trials right now. And I think we're all hyper-focused on our own circumstances and so i don't think the judgment is as rife as people claim mm. it to be i think we think it is mm. and so if there was something you could say to a, a, a young lady um that's wanting to come back to the gospel what would you say to them if they want to do it just do it cut out the excuses stop making reasons why you shouldn't and just do it because the reason I asked that after the comment you just made is because as you come and you sit down, no one's really like, oh, why have you been gone for the last five years? Mm-hmm. Well, probably don't know that you've been gone for like, oh, hi, how are you doing? <laughs> exactly. You know what I mean? So I love yeah. what, like, what you're saying there is just do it because no one's like, you know, gonna be stressing at you like, oh, thinking, oh, she's been gone for five years and now she's sitting there, look <laughs> at her. Because she's like, no one's doing that. And sometimes you, are just... you don't even know that they've actually been gone too. Exactly, exactly. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um. Exactly, and it's that's that that, that role playing in your mind. Yeah. You yeah. Know, if I sit down, people are just going to be looking at me the entire time, and they're going to be like, "Yeah, there's that Bianca Lucas," <laughs> you know. Yeah. Um. That's how I felt when I was called in the bishopric. I remember when I. Uh, uh, I stood That's, up, yeah, yeah, and I was like right in the corner, and I was just like standing there, and there we have called Brian Sevier's, uh, and then I was just in my head, I didn't want to look up because I felt like everyone was like, oh, no way, him? Well, you're what? an exception. I do judge you, Brian. Oh, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> but I was like, I, I, I won't look at no one's eyes. I'll just keep down. And then they were like, come take your seat. I was like looking down, hoping no one's looking at me. And I'm like, everyone's looking at you, right? I was like, oh, they probably think, why would Bishop do this? And they're all going to go to Bishop. If you were here right now, he, you'd see that these two are like, yeah, we were all thinking. <laughs> he's our token member. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. 100%. So I was thinking that 100%. Yeah, yeah. But it was, so it's that thing we create, you know, so much in yeah. our heads. Mm-hmm. And then therefore we think all these things, but yet. 
But the when Lord has a plan and the Lord knows yeah. you and will guide you to those people that are needed yeah. to be guided to, you know what I mean? Yeah. And that's the hard part. That's that's the way you're thinking because that's how you're feeling about yourself. It's mm. your own insecurities that are coming out, not other people's. Yeah. Yeah. Everyone else you spoke to about Brian being called was like, yeah, he's going to be amazing. Yeah. You yeah, know? Yeah, but yeah. because we all have our own insecurities going on, mm. um, that's what makes it difficult. Mm -hmm. You know, mm. like I've got judgment going on at the moment and we've spoken about it. I'm judging someone at the moment very harshly. <laughs> yeah. And it's because of my own insecurities that I am judging them yeah, okay. because it affects me. And it's something that has, it's something that's personal to me. Mm -hmm. And I've even had a chat to my wife about it. So because that's, it's not the person, you know, and what's going on really. Mm -hmm. It's something that's going on within me that's then making me look out and judge this person, yeah. um, which I shouldn't be. But it's my own insecurities that are coming out. I remember when we I had a chat about that. Move past. That too, about removing yeah. the beam from your own eye before you yeah, start yeah. focusing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it's, yeah, it's because oh, of yeah. my past and my defense mechanisms kicking into gear. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Do you remember that conversation? Yeah. We were sitting there and you were like looking at me like, and then the next minute you're like, oh, wait a minute. I was laughing. <laughs> and Crystal was like, hmm. It was yeah, hilarious, man. So my own defense mechanisms are just kicking into gear. Yeah. Because it's, yeah. And I'll, we'll talk about it probably offline on, <laughs> on this. But, yeah, and, and it's because of that that yeah. I am judging. Yeah. You know, so that's that's part of what we do as human beings, right? Yeah. And we, we try to move past it, etc. But a lot of times it is that whole things that are just made up in our mind, the story's been already told and written. Yeah. And of course it actually hasn't. And people surprise us all the time. Yeah. You know. We're all different humans mm. beings. Mm. Humans beings. Humans beings. Listen, this has been amazing. I have enjoyed every bit of it. I don't know, have you enjoyed joining us in the LDS Down Under? Yeah, let me listen back to it before I agree that <laughs> Um, is there any last words from either of us here, Rodney? Um, yeah, no, look, for myself, I guess, yeah, thanks for coming on. It was great. Really enjoyed it. Um, I really love to hear people's stories and the things that they went through and stuff because that that helps us and it helps me and Brian. It helps anyone who listens, you know what I mean? Because once again, that's just build on, building on our foundation. And it's it's strengthening us to go. Hey, yeah, we're all we're all more similar than we realise. You know, sometimes I think people in church think that um, everyone around us is just so strong, and and that member she's just so amazing, and you know, like it's like everything's so easy to them. But actually, if you call them down, there's there's stuff going wrong all over the shop. They're just doing the best they can, and sometimes we we sort of once again make those preconceptions in our mind about them, but um these sort of stories help us build us and and i think once again um i saw something come on my phone uh, from elder holland about conference which was we're doing better than we think um and that that's a big one you know if you're if you're waking up in the morning and you're saying a prayer or you're wearing your garments because you have a temple recommend or but you're not studying so you're still doing great you're still wearing your garments because you should wear your garments or you are saying prayers because you should say prayers Sometimes we don't 
add up all the good things we do, we only add up the things we're not doing. Mm. You know, so we're doing better than we think, and that message needs to get out there. Um, and I think for yourself, um, yeah, you're doing amazing. Because when you think about which way you could have gone compared to where you are now, That's beautiful. you know, you're doing incredible. So that would be my. I love that. And Bianca, any final words? Well, thank you for having me on your podcast. It has been an enjoyable conversation. Um, yeah, just I've enjoyed this chat. It has helped. Like, it's nice to go over it again as well and just reconfirm the things that um, that I'm choosing and that I want to do in my life going forward and just in what you were saying about building our foundations I do think that like even daily prayers is part of building that foundation Mm. Um, and what you were saying about how we're all doing well I think even if you're not doing those things as long as you're just besting (laughs) the dark thoughts every day you are still doing amazing also because Mm. um, but just those prayers just help you beat that even more is all I can say about that. Yeah, 100%. Mm-hmm. I learned that if you entertain a bad thought for 15 seconds or 17 seconds, it leads to another one. So if you get rid of it as soon as possible, it, it won't lead to the next one. Because misery likes company. Exactly. Yeah. And I just wanted to just finish off with what you said, Rodney, um, was that um, pay attention to the good things that you are doing. So I'd love to leave a little task for those who are listening uh today or whenever you're listening to it i want you to think of all the good that you are doing and just take away all the bad um and just concentrate on the good and work with that and especially for um and then finishing off also with what she said uh rodney again to bianca is that you could have went a whole different way but you went this way. So compare to compare yourself to how much you've actually grown from the way that you've just come back. And it's gonna take that time for you to, I don't know, get where you want to go, but as that's the same with all of us, you know what I mean? And I also just wanna also end off with Jeffrey o. Holland uh, sent me a letter. <laughs> just putting it out there. <laughs> Are you being serious to yeah, 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 yeah. It is. I sent, <laughs> I sent, I sent, cool. I sent, I sent a letter to his um, uh, his sister, and then his sister sent it to him, and then he replied and sent me a letter, and I was like, oh, Jeffrey, he loves me, he knows me. I've got one for President of course. Well, Jeffrey's better. <laughs> wow. Okay. <laughs> Hey? Yeah. Do you, you have any letters? Did I tell you that President Stevenson was my first mission president? Or Elder Stevenson now? Yeah? Yeah, he was my first mission president. We both lose out. <laughs> Who was your mission president? The Nagoya mission president. For one for one transfer. Who cares? <laughs> oh my gosh. Yeah, that's yeah, we lose. <laughs> oh, we gotta give a shout out to um I have a photo with him. No. <laughs> Do you? Really? Oh my gosh. Can you just <laughs> like that is whatever. Well, do you want to go on about your letter? No, I don't want letter. to go on about my letter. Okay, not that he was proud Sorry, of me or anything. Amazing, yeah. No, it's not amazing now, is it? Yeah, yeah. It was written by secretary. Yeah. <laughs> no, yes, we do know. We do know. Don't have a player in a board game. <laughs> um, yeah, we got. Yeah, we got a shout out to uh, to Joey Sayers as well who's been uh, sending us some messages and stuff. So big shout out to Joey. Um, 
and yeah shout out to everyone else who's left us comments and things like that we really appreciate it and um yeah wherever you are in the world we love you we thank you for continuing to support us and to listen to us it'd be great if you can get some funding so that we can only jokes um <laughs> but just yeah keep listening if you have any topics that you want us to talk on please let us know message us on our facebook um facebook chat and whatnot um so there's a tradition that we always finish off with okay yeah you thank you for listening to lds down under down under down that was okay. <laughs> Wait, I can do it the way, bro. I go wasn't ready. You go know. On, okay, go okay. On, go on. Thank you for listening to LDS Down Under. Down Under. Down Under. That was amazing. That was awesome. <laughs> Thank you, guys. My plan for my life was to have a child every two years. I had that mapped out. I was going to have a kid every two years. I didn't know how many. I wanted a big family. So we had a boy first, and then two years later, another boy. And uh, at 22 months old, we found um, a tumor. Suddenly, we were thrown into a whole different world, a world I didn't even know existed. And we were thrown into the medical world, into surgery into the hospital, into chemotherapy. I had my daughter right before we found his tumor, one week before we found his tumor. He had this rare disorder. I'd never heard of it. You know, there was nothing more that could be done. He did pass away at home. In the meantime, we had another son. It started with my daughter. She got... Um, bone cancer on her rib. My husband got thyroid cancer. And then he got Burkitt's lymphoma. I've never seen chemotherapy that tough. Drew got bone cancer, just like his sister. It was more intense this time. And then Andrea got cancer from her chemotherapy. She needed a stem cell transplant. My husband was diagnosed with the same thing as my daughter. Andrea recovered very quickly. Drew kept getting Bad news and bad news and bad news, you know. My son passed away three weeks before my husband. Um, I began to think, Maybe I couldn't do this. You know, maybe I wasn't strong enough. You know, I began to think that I might fail. But the Lord was not going to allow me to fail. And I know that that's not unique to me. 
that he does that for everybody. It's not always about us. Like, we're not going through this because we need to change or we're not good enough. I, I became someone, you know, more capable of, of helping others and of having compassion and of understanding at an intimate level, you know, what other people go through. And I found a great deal of joy in using the things that I've learned um, to help other people, especially families who have children with cancer. One of my missions in life is to comfort others who are going through cancer and that, you know, I know how to do it because I've been through it. It's like, to me, it's like Newton's law. For every action, there is an equal and opposite reaction. Equal and opposite. So I think the greater our sorrow is, the greater our capacity is to feel joy. I've been surprised. I, I feel a great deal of tenderness toward my Savior because he really is so sweet. He really does provide what you need.